Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 119 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. So we're not doing face cams this time around. It's very hot in the, the Carrick lens, and uh, that <laughs> makes life a lot easier for me, ladies and gentlemen. So we're not going to be doing that this time around, so feel free to tab off and continue your life as you listen to some of the sexiest men on the internet. As always, if you want to go ahead and support the show, there will be a Patreon link in the uh, description down below, and that'll enter you to be eligible to join us as a guest on the podcast. We have an interesting batch of news this week. Let's start off with talking about the biggest phenomenon in gaming right now, which is PUBG. PUBG has skyrocketed in popularity in just a short few months and has now surpassed Fallout 4 as the most played non-Valve title. So that definitely says there's quite a bit of popularity, and especially when this is a multiplayer game, we can only imagine it's going to grow and be supported more and more. What has made this so popular? I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on that. No fucking idea. Well, first of all, when I, when I checked those charts, I was like, hold on. Fallout 4 was top three on Steam? I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah when it first launched, bro, it, it set so many records. It was insane. Yeah, I know. I, I was just, I, I had no idea. But in, in terms of PUBG, look, I, I haven't even played it myself, and I, and I really, really honestly don't know. It just... It's one of those things where you can't predict. Like, I guarantee you this kid who... Isn't this guy, like, a 20-year-old guy that uh, just made this game? I don't know if it's him or I don't not. Know, because when Please. I was watching videos on this, they, like, referred to it as a, a development team studio. Like... Okay. They, like, I, I haven't researched much on the dev team or anything. And if one person did make this, it's pretty impressive. But, um... Well, it says that the, the design is Brendan Green. Uh, anyways, right? But it, it seems to be, like, a... A small-ish team, and I guarantee you that this team, whatever size they were, had no idea that this game would have blown up like it did. As I'm sure most creators of games, especially like on mobile, they didn't realize that this game would be such a huge success. You you can't predict this shit. You really can't. Can't. Carrick, have you played uh, PUBG? Yeah, I've played a little bit. It's, um, I mean, it's an early access title, though. The, the thing that happened a lot, I, I don't know if you did, Maddie. I would assume you did, but a lot of us were getting a lot of requests to play it for money mm-hmm. online. And so I, 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 I'm not saying that that like, is exactly why it's popular because it's actually a very fun game for those who play it. But it is, I think the word got out there. It's like Ark Survival Evolved a little bit where there's a lot of people playing it and it probably surprised the dev team in the same way. And... You know, I'm actually more interested in what it's going to look like in six months to a year because it is early access and it is janky as hell. But I mean, that's half the fun, too. Um, It it really is Grand Theft Auto jank inside of a game that's more like Arma or something like that. And so I think a lot of people are turned on by that. It's very, very unique when you watch people's threads, all the different crazy things that can happen. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I think started to propel it is that... um... You know, you never know what's going to happen each match. My right. my biggest complaint, it's not like I'm looking for a shooter fest. There's so many games like that. It's just that I find it kind of easy to succeed in the initial beginning part uh, because if you drop down in an area that's pretty low-key, you're going to survive at least half the game if you have a brain, I've noticed. You know, it's easy to get into that, like, 30 remaining um, without shooting a bullet and just collecting the whole time. And so... Right. 
it's I think I watched a video. Uh, he'll be joining us hopefully on the podcast at some point down the line. Downward Thrust, I think his name was. He made a video oh, yeah. about PUBG's popularity, and I think he made a good point that it was a lot about the YouTube and Twitch uh, sphere where we saw how it became like the perfect streaming game because in the beginning, you know, when you're just collecting stuff, it's a good time to interact with the audience. Then there's those moments of intensity. There's those moments of betrayal. Uh, just a lot of random things can happen in a given match. And it's just that ideal game to kind of keep running for a couple of hours while you talk with the chat. So I think, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of it did have to do with uh, the YouTube and Twitch thing. Um, but also I think it's just getting crazy support because, yeah, you got the devs willing to pay YouTubers YouTubers are enjoying it. Twitch streamers are enjoying it. A community of gamers is enjoying it. And so now you'll see, uh, like, the YouTubers creating content and getting paid for it. So you just see more and more of PUBG everywhere you go. So Kind of like a perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah, right? So it, it's like everyone's making money. <laughs> everyone likes the game. Nah, I shouldn't say everyone, but, you know, most people are enjoying the game. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's really just working out for everyone. I think that's the other thing. Yeah, it's probably just a combination of all of those things. I mean, fundamentally, whether some people don't like the game, the game looks like it is fun to play and has a very interesting mechanic in that, you know, you chucked into this world and, you know, whoever survives is is the winner. Like, I can't really recall a popular shooter game, whether first or third person, that did that, you know, in the it's exact same kind unique. of way. You can see the DNA from a lot of other games. Like, I've had... Of course, I have yeah. about... 12-ish, 13 hours in the game right now. And, like, one thing that really initially turned me off, I'm starting to come around the corner on it now, but I was like, this kind of reminds me of another H1Z1, another DayZ, where, you know, you're popped into this world. You know, your biggest enemy, your biggest threat is dynamically bumping into another player and, like, what you do in that point in time. Um, Where, you know, PUBG shares a similarity in that way, except I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think sometimes in, like, DayZ or H1Z1, didn't, like, players help each other out? Like, you, you didn't always have to kill each other because you, you wanted right. to survive against the right. zombies, too. But, but I haven't you, played you've much had Survivor. other people help each other in PUBG, too. Like, yeah, but like you're there on are the teams team. that are formed. Yeah, if you, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying if you bump into another player that's not on your team, like, yeah. it's all all bets are off. I'm talking about if you're running, like, a solo queue and yeah. you, you bump into someone. That's what I meant. Yeah. But even then, I, I believe... if I, I, And again, I have no idea, but if you're playing a solo game in PUBG, some people will kind of team together. Mm-hmm. To to survive to the end, and then and then they'll like fist fight or something to to see who's the best. Well, that's the thing. There's no way, man. I I don't think. I wonder if that's ever happened where like opposing teams have teamed up. I can't imagine. So it, it just doesn't benefit you really. But I guarantee you, for the fun, someone's done. Yeah, but oh, anyway, for the fun. But like, if you're trying to win, yeah. oh man. Yeah, but no, I I think again, combination of all those things, a, a game with a unique concept that's fun to play. Um, they've utilized the YouTube and, and Twitch streamer strategy pretty well. And it, it's one of those games, like you were touching on before, Maddie. that's, you know, some games are just not easy to stream, mm-hmm. especially single-player games oh, where God, yeah. the streamer actually wants to listen to what's happening and look at the story and read stuff. And it doesn't translate well to a stream audience when you, you have to constantly keep an eye on, you know, your chat and people asking you questions and stuff like that. But with just like a random mundane shooter that you can keep an eye on with, you know, keep a, a close eye on and, and your other eye can look at your chat, then it's really easy to stream that. And people enjoy it in the stream because they don't always have to look at what's going on. They can go take a pee break, 
come back and see, all right, so what happened? Is he still alive? Yeah. yeah. And then they'll move on. It's not like a single-player game where if you miss five minutes, you're like, well, I'm out of the loop now. Yeah, I think it's a good time. I think, like Carrick said, it's very janky. You know, and that, it's an early access title. It's early so, Unsurprisingly so. Uh, that's the other thing, though. I, I, a lot of people are, are getting on board with this, and it's early access. I mean, you got to wonder, like, what kind of effect is this going to have on the, the industry as a whole? There's no way big developers and, and publishers are not taking notice of this, right? You know, there's got to be some PUBG copycats in the works already. I swear someone said, was it Ubisoft or something? Said that with the division they were going to do it? I, I can't remember. Carrick, hmm. maybe you know. Ubisoft kind of yeah, had that with Ubisoft, the Dark Souls. Uh, no, Ubisoft did. They actually did directly state pretty much that, that they had seen the success and that they had, they were looking Yeah, here at we it. go. Ubisoft interested in adding player un- unknown Battlegrounds-like modes into their games. Yeah. Which would be fine because that's one of the actual issues in the multiplayer for The Division. If you had The Division set up to where they did something in the fiction where it sort of tightened your group up as the time went down, because I think that's really the, the juice that gets... Um, battlegrounds working is the forced collection of people into yeah. specific areas and it's a little different than h1z1 and stuff like that where you can run around collect shit for hours in some of those games so i, I would love to see that in division because i actually enjoyed a lot of the different elements of division but i wasn't a big fan of their multiplayer yeah i agree because i think that the best part of the game very well could have been the multiplayer aspect you know could have been yeah so so much potential um, I like the division a lot, so I hope they do consider that. That would be cool. Um, so I guess if Ubisoft's taking note, then you gotta wonder. I mean, this could be a new kind of wave in, in multiplayer gaming where uh, you know you expect all those types of modes like free for all and all this shit. But now are they gonna start creating like battle royale maps? We'll call them because that's kind of what PUBG is. Um, they yeah. call it like the ultimate life or death battle royale. Um, this is competitions where the industry works. Someone yeah. does something successful. Like look what happened with Call of Duty Modern Warfare. They do that right. Everyone wants to copy him. Mm-hmm. You, you got to wonder, though. I mean, with with more money at their disposal, could there just be a replacement on the way? Or you know, you can't really sub out the original. I'm just kind of brainstorming here. No, no. Like I, I think PUBG, like you know, being the original, the one that started it and has a huge, like, stupidly high player base that keeps increasing each day. It's it's I reckon it's going to be around for a very long time, especially when it is finally you know quote unquote released, even though it technically is. Um, and I just don't think anyone can really topple it. Um, and, and I was thinking, well, would Activision do something like that with Call of Duty? But Call of Duty's gone in a completely different route. Maybe one of their modes could be something similar to this. But I've talked about how Call of Duty needs to fucking reduce the number of modes that they have to stop you know. Um, just saturating the player base, but mm. anyway. You know what would be really good for that is Battlefield. Battlefield. Yes, no, drop, that would drop be them great. in one of the biggest maps because it's got similar mechanics where you got to compensate for bullet drop, put out a bunch of weapons and stuff. Like start you off with like one of the knives that you can pick from, and Battlefield One will use as an example. I think that would be really, really good. Oh man, oh that would fit so fucking well. <laughs> I mean, should, should get onto it. Yeah, yeah. Let me just go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, PUBG, really popular game. Any closing thoughts on that? I'll play it eventually, but it'll be a good I don't know, man. Mode game. It, it, no, it would be a good collab mode game, but in terms of playing on my own time, I'm solely sticking to single player. So yeah, absolutely. I think one other done. thing is that I want to add on is it, it 
kind of like last summer with Pokemon Go, where like everyone was kind of playing this big game together, and it kind of reminds you of just the fun of gaming. I think the same could be yeah. said for PUBG. There's really no progression. You get battle points at the end of matches. You can unlock these crates, and they're just all cosmetic shit. It's it's really nothing crazy. I I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, I, I think that's the other thing is that it's just a fun game. There's no story. Yeah. There's no lore. It's just you're dropped off a plane, go fucking survive, and it's just easy to pick up, easy to understand, but there's a lot of layers to it. No, exactly. And I just checked now. I think 270,000 are playing the fucking game now, right? Yeah. It's And its peak today was five... Holy shit! Have a look at this. So today, today's peak for Counter-Strike was 530,000. Today's peak for PUBG was 523,000. Wow, so even up. like... For for peak in a day, it's almost overtaking Counter Strike. I don't know whether it'll ever like. I, I no, it's not going to ever be as popular as Counter Strike. But maybe yeah, one know. day, <laughs> they'll they'll just be like this perfect day where everyone just wants to play it. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I it's got to surpass that number at some point in time. Will it consistently be there? That's my other question. I think it depends on the post-launch support if they keep rolling out like they just rolled out a substantial update that had first-person gameplay or servers rather. Um, they had a new weapon, which I think was like a M21 EBR, M14 EBR, one of the two. Um, a lot of optimization stuff. So they're supporting it. Do you guys think this can really go the distance if they keep up those types of patches? Sure. Yeah, kind of like Overwatch. Yeah. You, know, just that you, you go, Carrick. I've, I've talked too much. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know as much as a lot of people who are probably listening. So, but I mean, yeah, I, I would, I would assume so because if if people are jumping into it, it's early access, they're liking it. Then, if they continue to add stuff, that'd be great. I also do think though that we'll see some AAAs copy it. We saw Activision this morning say that because Crash was so successful, their new plan is to basically look at every single goddamn thing they have in the background and yeah. make a, a and, and remake those. So, which is good, but also plays right into the hand of what a lot of people don't like. So, it, it'll be interesting to see how many AAAs decide, let's do this. What would be really great is if they, they do what they're supposed to do, which is take uh, impressions from other titles that, that do things well. And influences, yeah. And, and influences and put them together. We actually, I, we talked about this on this podcast, but also, you know, you've seen it a lot of times now where somebody will say something about, this and this is influenced by Dark Souls is the is the one right now, and I would assume every PR that we start getting soon will start saying you know influenced by PUBG, just like Jesus. Yeah, influenced isn't funny. the same as in, influenced. Did you get influenced by the shitty stuff? Because sometimes these games that come out that say they're influenced by something didn't understand what was successful in the first place. So, so you're pretty much saying that you'd rather not see a copycat, but you know an actual influence. Yeah, it sounds weird. I would rather see Division have it as a mode than a whole game made by a AAA developer. It makes yeah, no sense because the AAA developer, it's almost like if I'm a shadow writer, and I've done this before, where if I try to write for someone else, I don't have their thoughts, emotions, uh, their focus, whatever, on what, they're tr- what they were trying to say. So taking over a paper for somebody else is very difficult. The same as, oh, we didn't have the idea of PUBG, but everybody else did. Let's make PUBG. Well, guess what? It won't be because... You guys, you, you weren't there, but you could look at it and go, what did we enjoy? And that's another thing. Get mm. some developers to play the fucking game because I can look at Dark Souls and say, okay, boom, I can make it hard. Guess what? <laughs> that's, not, that's not Dark Souls, dickhead. That has nothing to do with Dark Souls. Yeah. So mm. what you need to do is you need to play it 
and need to understand it. And we have a lot of devs who do. You, you'll, you'll see them on Twitter. They'll be like, I just platinumed or just whatever the Xbox equivalent is. Um, I just beat, you know, Surge or whatever, and this is what I liked and this is what I didn't, and that's good. That's what we need. We need more of that. We need people playing it and then taking those impressions and, yeah. and putting it into things. Well, Not just, making you look at, copies of it. You look at, I think, the best example of a game system that was more or less copied than influenced, and that was the Arkham Combat System. Have we really yeah, seen everything. any direct <laughs> buildings of that rather than no. just, no, let's put this no. same format in. This button is instead of a counter, it's this for our version of the universe, you know, it's the same thing. And it's like, is someone going to take that Arkham combat system a step for- further? And that's one of my bigger concerns. And I don't mean to get off track here with Spider-Man is, is like, they're right. doing a similar thing. It looked a little more free. Like, you know, enemies weren't just circling you saying, come kick the fucking shit out of us. But uh, you know, that's the other thing is like insomniac's known for innovating gameplay. Why are you just taking what is the superhero staple and, you know, wrapping that back to PUBG? I hope that's not the case where, everyone's just building their own PUBG game but instead of mode and and putting a cool twist on that mode mm. you know instead well, and, of and just survival we've like seen... getting a special item too that I don't know what it would involve but kind of like a, a, a gun game almost except within that small forced uh, constriction of the map I think that yeah. could be cool too mm-hmm. I mean usually and I don't have any hard data on this but usually from what I say anecdotally when a game tries to copy, straight copy another game, it tends to not do as well as the original game. And, mm-hmm. But th- th- there's, sometimes there are ex- exceptions to that. The one being Paladins and Overwatch. Now, I know there's a long argument whether Paladins copied Overwatch or whether it was in development or whatever it is, but fundamentally Paladins is somewhat similar to Overwatch, yet it's doing stupidly well on Steam. And even, really? though, there was this kind, it, it, even though there was this kind of public perception that, yes, it did, copy overwatch and donkey did a video on that saying it's pretty much the exact same shit which it does look the same but the thing is it's doing stupidly well because it's free to play on pc and you can't explain that sometimes you really can't yeah yeah i think i can take a crack at it people don't want to pay for overwatch (laughs) like i'll just go play the same thing for free yeah exactly and then there's people like me who are probably curious about it and we'll go download it tonight (laughs) Mm mm-hmm no exactly right and you know i don't know I don't think I'd ever. I'm ever really going to get into it. I mean, it's it's early access. It's probably not in the in the best state. I like to play games that are 100% finished and polished. I know this is kind of a lure to playing games that aren't finished, but you still have this community that's constantly giving feedback to the developer and they're incorporating it. And it's cool to see this game kind of evolve. But I like to come in at the end of it, just you know, like with a traditional game. Oh, I completely get that. I think. You sit where I did before it. I bought it to play with patrons, and I've really enjoyed it since. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially when, you know, you're all strategizing, and, you know, like, you, you'll hear someone rolling up in a Jeep, and you'll just wait in the house, and, <laughs> and they'll, they'll pop out, and, you, and you'll just surprise attack them. It, it's moments like that that really make a match and, and stay yeah. with you, where uh, in any other game, a kill is a kill. Not a big deal, but in this game, it's like taking out a squad is, is such a good feeling, so... I think, yeah, I think once you give it a try, you'll, you'll know, like, you'll get yeah, it. Definitely, yeah. You know, even though it's early access, I totally get that, too. I, I don't think, I think PUBG will probably be the only early access title, cause, just because some of me, my, my, my uh, friends play it. I think that'll be the only early access title I stay invested in, because I've tried The Forest, uh, I've tried Citadel, that needs a lot of patches, so 
they're games that are always worth keeping your eye on in early access, but there's very few early access titles that really just demand your attention. It's like, you gotta keep playing this. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. If, if, I just, I just I, really I hit you with that good argument, and you just can't can't stand tra- up to the Transition big to the next news topic, Matty. How about that? <laughs> okay. How about you fucking do that? Yeah, 20 minutes on the dot. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, <laughs> our next topic is Take-Two on the PC. Let me just bring the article up. Um, Take-Two says the PC market is very important, but won't commit to Red Dead 2 on the PC. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Th- this is the thing. This is weird to me. First of all, when you look at Take-Two as a publisher, you have sometimes games that will come out PC, console, fine at the same time. Then you have Rockstar, which is console first PC. And then you have like games like Civilization and XCOM that are more leaning towards PC. Yeah, I, just, I don't says. get that. I don't get that. Is it, isn't just he says some str- titles are actually heavily weighted to PC. For example, Civ and XCOM. So yeah. I don't think Civilization is available outside of the PC. If... You know, Civ Revolutions, one of the uh, yeah. um, like Civ Light, I guess is what you call it, is the only one that is. Okay. Like uh, I, I get why certain games do better on PC. It's mm-hmm. just like the way it's always been, right? Um, but with a game like Red Dead, when you look at GTA and how well it did on PC, and it's pretty much like a game that just it, there's no reason why Red Dead, as you know, the game that it is, won't do well on PC as it does well on on console. I don't know why Rockstar isn't big enough or Take-Two doesn't see the incentive to release it day one on PC with console. I, 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 I still never understood that, and I didn't understand it with GTA, mind you, either. I don't know why it took so long. I think my guess is the reason it took so long for GTA on the PC is because they like money. So they sold it originally, then they saw the remaster re-release era stepping in they re-released it on a new set of systems and then they finally did it on pc and so they were able to successfully sell the game three times and for example get people like me twice where i bought it originally at launch then i remember for a video or something we all wanted to play gta so i bought it again on pc so for one consumer they can essentially double dip and i'm not saying everyone has a gaming pc and the original one but i'm sure a lot of people went straight from the original version and then went back again on the re-released version on consoles. I'd say a lot of people did that. So they were just able to double their money. And I think that's what they're that's why they're holding off on Red Dead. They're like, why don't we release it now on the consoles? And maybe they won't release it three times. I don't know if there'll be another like uh what, what was it called? Like a half um step forward for a system and they'll just re- release it on that. And then they'll release it again on the PC. I don't know if they'll do that, but I, I can imagine they're just going to split them up just so that they can sell the game twice and get more money from uh, solo consumers. Yeah, mm, I guess I just I, I don't know. Man. I, I'm not justifying it. I, I should no, I know, I know, I know you're not justifying it, and, I, and I'm not like it's it is shitty for people that are on PC, but I, I guess the the only reason maybe one of the reasons why i see this happening is because red dead was never released on the pc so maybe that they're waiting until they can remaster red dead on pc and then they'll release red dead 2 i was gonna say yeah like i think a lot of people would really get on that not that they aren't now but i think a lot of people who are on pc would be like yo i'm i'm gonna play red dead 2 so much if they like announced that it's coming to pc and they said also we're releasing now the the red dead one on pc i think that would be huge um, on the side of them saying, like, some titles are heavily weighted for PC, I do get what they mean about Civ and XCOM, because 
I know XCOM can play on consoles. In fact, the first time I ever played the series, it was the first strategy game I ever liked a lot. And, um, or at least that came to mind that I liked a lot. And, um, I think it, it can play well on console, but for example, with XCOM, when you're customizing, you know, your squad, you're typing up their bios, you're, you're trying to get that precise tile that you want to pick. Uh, same thing with Civ. It just works better on a mouse and keyboard and plays better on a computer. But he says, he being Carl Slatoff, who's president of Take-Two, uh, the great news is that the PC market is vibrant for us. It's a great market for us. It's a big market. It's a core market in consumers that are highly engaged. It's a predominantly digital market, which also removes friction in terms of ongoing engagement with the consumer. So for us, the PC market as a company is very important and very exciting and something we do focus on. Mm. What do you reckon, Terry? I mean, I would assume some of it also has to do with the fact that so many developers are, are really afraid of data mining now. And so maybe they're you nervous that's that- it? I, I know that's it for some devs. I mean, they've, they've, there's actually a dev um, blog where they, they were talking about, like, what scares developers or what at least causes developers some concern as we move forward in publishers. And data mining was actually on the list in the top ten, I think. But it was on the list. One of the reasons is because uh, you can find a lot of information. And it's like, do you find information that maybe indicates something that somebody can get pissed about? And we're in a let's get pissed about everything culture right now. And so it's like if something weird in some data mine somewhere says future DLC and somebody's going to be like, they already had DLC, screw them, you know, because we have those people who get mad about that. We have mm-hmm. and it's just one little thing that's in there. We also know that the Red Dead that people play on consoles barely works. And, um, you know, their their description of the PC development kit, getting it onto the consoles was crazy. And they were talking about like it it, it is Red Dead is just barely held on. And then you had the insider who had the Reddit account, which was verified. And he was talking all about the behind the scenes for Red Dead in particular being really, really messy. And I think there's all those. Then I think Red, uh, Rockstar has shown that they don't understand the mod community because they tried to shut down open IV or VI, whatever the fuck that's called. Um, they tried to shut down modding. They've done all these different things. And I think that they show that they don't really understand PC gamers incredibly well they know what's popular they do and that's what he said like hey yeah we know it's popular well so does any jackass who can look up how many titles you sold but it seems like they have a miscommunication about what they're trying to do and and what Mm. they want to deliver to people on the pc because let's all remember something the console versions pretty much worked when they were released gta on the pc when it first released was a fucking nightmare And I I think that that also goes to show that maybe they're a little bit um, gun shy as well. And smartly, by the way, like Mm -hmm. we don't want to we don't want to say anything until we know, because if the rumor is true and if that person was 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 legitimate, like they apparently were about Red Dead, then you have GTA coming after. And it really does show that there are problems until they get it patched up. What you know, maybe Rockstar's like, we're not going to say anything until we can look at the behind the scenes and go, okay. This is this is it. This is sort of what we want to deliver to people. Um, I, I mean, it's all over the place with them. Like even what Maddie read sounded odd. It's like we're, we understand this, we understand that, we get this, we get that. It's like, well, nope, everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded like a roundabout way. Like when you say, "Why was the head coach fired?" and they're like, "Well, we just want to move forward." There was nothing wrong with what he did, but he's not here right now, which indicates there was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like you know. And I also have to say the other thing. 
let's be honest, the entire discussion is really a digital version of telling a girl that, you know, you'll call her if you get a chance. Because that's really what he's doing. He's just got his options open. He's like, oh, no, we're looking. Sure. I mean, everybody's looking. Like, it, they just don't want to put their foot down and say, we're for sure doing it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's it just, would also place that expectation that it's got to be there at launch. And if it's not there at launch, exactly, then it ends exactly. up either being, A, rushed and really buggy, right. or B, we have a GTA 5 PC launch, which was delayed and still not that good until it was patched. Or C, they yeah. take their time, they don't say a word, and when it's well and ready, they announce it's Then they coming. release it. I think that's also smarter, too, because um, they're, they're known to not be the funnest to work with and with their writer <laughs> leaving and all that kind of stuff. The big hubbub that happened at the end of Rocks, or at the end of Red Dead was crazy. And so if that kind of stuff happens, maybe they just want to hold back and be like, okay, we just don't want to say we're working on all these things right now. We sort of just want to concentrate on one thing. Because it is weird when you get that question. You can, if, if you say it's not going to be on PC, then it's not on PC, right? Then you can't talk about performance. It's just not. It's not there. But once you start saying it's on PC, then suddenly it's like, well, is it AMD or NVIDIA? Well, which one? Is it Hairworks? Is it this? Is that? <laughs> and pretty soon you have 8,000 different degrees to where some poor tech help at Rockstar is answering all these fucked up questions. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's resources. They're like, we don't want to do that. Sure, it's being worked on. We just don't want to talk about it right now because we don't want all these questions until we have legitimate performance answers and um, legitimate answers just overall. Yeah, I think yeah. it's smart. It sucks, but it's smart. It's, it's just mm -hmm. intriguing to me because like, I've always said, it, if a publisher really wanted to do something like release a game on PC at the same time as consoles, they'll do it. Like, if, they, exactly. if they really wanted to do it, they'll do it day one. Um, I'm not saying it'll be perfect, but it, it'll happen at least. What my question is, is that when you look at every other major AAA game publisher and you look at the games that they release, they're always released, in most cases, console and PC at the exact same time on the same day. Maybe there's like one or two di a weeks difference in some cases. It's like their businesses are entirely premised on the fact that whatever major release that they do, they always release it on all platforms. Yet Rockstar and Take-Two don't operate in that way. And that's my question, right? I mean, what I don't understand is when, when for example, GTA was such a big success on PC, which was several years before we heard anything about Red Dead, at that stage, why didn't they say, let's restructure our business, hire more staff, maybe get on a third-party developer and start trying to release games on the same day on PC. You know, I think, I, you just sort of, I think you just sort of answered it. One of the things is hire more staff. The honest truth is they're known to be penny pinchers unless it's the top three true, guys yeah. who are in their yachts. So it's like, you know, they're calling in and saying, can you do some more shit? You can't go home. I mean, they're, they're notorious for, for crunch. Let's be honest. I mean, oh, I think we would all agree that of all the companies out there that's notorious for insane crunch, as in above most, it's them. And that's in a world where crunch is normal. So maybe they're just like, we want to get the most out of people. And by doing that, it's not hiring two people. It, uh, it's making one person work twice. Isn't Crytek <laughs> pretty bad, too? Sounds horrible. Yeah, Crytek at that, at, at that what time. What happened to them? Yeah. They announced they, a well, new game, and I didn't even fucking know that. Do you guys know? Yeah, they, they, Crytek sort of has the issue, like Epic does, where they're known for two things. They're known for a game or two, but they're also known for their engine. And so that's, they had a split where like that engine was sold, Star Citizen used it for a while, and all these different things happened. And so, but they were known, yeah, they were known for crunch. I, I, I just think also it's money, 
for any other company but these guys. If it was any other company and you guys were like, why are they not doing it? I'd say resource-wise, they looked at it and said it doesn't make financial sense. And you and yeah. I just don't have the numbers, right? That's normal. These oh, yeah, guys are swimming in cash. They're swimming in unbelievable amounts of loot. So mm -hmm. yeah. in, unless they're true penny pinchers where they, they want to hold on to every single cent, um, which they could be, that, that would be money-based. But then you have to look at the things that aren't money-based. For them, I think it makes more sense to look at things that aren't money-based. And I think you, then mm -hmm. you start looking at, like, how is online working for them for GTA V? I'm going to be honest. I mean, it makes a little sense to say, hey, you know what, uh, let's test out on the consoles how the brand new fucking, you know, uh, I don't know what you call it, gold mining cards work in Red yeah. Dead multiplayer instead of shark cards and see how they work before we move uh, to the PC version. And we stop people from buying 10,000 versions of the same game. I mean, there's more copies of that game than there are available systems to play it on. Yeah, it's like, ridiculous. You, yeah. So it's like they, they, they know. So in a way, it might be money to where they don't want to lose the GTA, but also, you know, consistent cash. I just thought they don't like the whole modding thing, so you got to wonder if they're holding yeah. off on PC just so that no one mods their game. That's what I said. Yeah, I yeah. no, I agree. I, I I firmly believe that that that's at least one. You know, they look at different reasons, like we all would. You know, if we all sat down, and we're like, what are the reasons why? And that has to be on their list. Yeah, I mean, it's it's written on the wall. Just to not say anything. Yeah. So they got they got their reasons to do it, but you can see that as a company, with how they're just right. structured, they just don't want to. I feel they're an odd company. They I mean, really that's, are. That's it's the so, honest truth. They it's really so strange because they make really good games, and or rather, they publish. I should say, really good games. Mm -hmm. So it's like they got to be doing something right, or they just have a lot of money and are able to allocate so much of it to make the good game, right? Right. When we were it's talking about Crytek, it reminded me of Rise. Does anyone remember that? Was that anybody that remember it? One I love that game. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Dude, the I, Roman soldier. Yeah. I, Rise, uh, I think it was called Son of Rome or Son something of Rome. like that. Yeah. Son launch of Rome. title for the Xbox One. That was my favorite one. That shit was so good. I think I like that more. I still play than... the multiplayer. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's wild. We just played it. This last weekend, actually, we played it. There's also, they added a bunch of content for the single player, and you can now go into the Coliseum multiplayer and play bots. So like you can play over and over and over again if you like that stuff, you know. But it it, it is that's the only game I know of Crytek. Yeah. Since I, I played like, that game three times over, it, like mm -hmm. I said, I like that shit more than Crisis. And I know that's an unpopular opinion, but that game was. Damn. I that, I know it's yeah. It wasn't a. There was something about it that was really fun. Yeah, objectively, for me. like the way it was structured, its story, its gameplay mechanics, it, it really wasn't a good game. But it's just I think it was its setting and and how it really got the atmosphere going. That kind of sold me on it. I mean, they... here's the thing, though, Maddie. Anytime ever anybody ever says that to you, then just say, "Look at PUBG. PUBG is technically poor, but it's fun, and so people buy it." I play Rise because I find it fun, and you don't. Like that's yeah, but it's like, it oh really my is. god! Nowadays, people don't just get that that it's just fun or not fun. <laughs> it's like fun you is a get huge into... factor, man. I know, but it's like, oh well, yeah, that's in every gotta get into my fun factor. Yeah. I, I might start fucking doing that because, you know, you'll have you'll have to like break it down piece by piece like a, a fucking uh, critical essay for school or something <laughs> like that. My thesis <laughs> begins. Yeah, which I'm not complaining about. I like explaining. It. I like even if it's an unpopular opinion, you know, providing that discussion and, and and talking about yeah, Gambit system in, in Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, that's a perfect example, though. Like, people were like, just shut it off. I'm like, the game, that is the backbone of the combat system. You shut off Gambit system, I'm intentionally hindering my experience at that point. Yes, it gets rid of my complaint, but it just makes it a worse problem. Because then the game, it, the combat's even slower. So it's like, yeah. you can't win. It was just like, I felt like, I got where people were coming from. I, I see why people like the Gambit system, but for me, I was like, it just felt like a basis to counter my opinion. Which is fine. That's where That's what a fucking discussion is. To some extent, but I was just like, "Oh man, I just I didn't like the gambit system." You uh, know what's funny? What my favorite? It, it's probably my second favorite of all. Well, that's the thing. I I knew what and, I was and getting I into. Agree I was with like, everything I, you say though. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into though. Like I, I knew a lot of people love Final Fantasy XII, which is like while I'm uploading, I'm like, I am just like, it, it was like <laughs> as if I walked outside of my house and looked for a pile of dog shit and then just stomp right. my foot in it like i was like i'm gonna do this like i already know what i'm walking into and uh it, it did not surprise me at all fortunately the comments were not too bad most people were willing to discuss but the, the like the dislike bar really spoke for itself anyway <laughs> um let's move on to the next topic which is activision oh activision this actually isn't bad news this is just more so an interesting stat is that activision says destiny 2 pre-orders are higher than destiny 1 and also a Destiny 2 beta has more players than Destiny 1's beta. Yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, see, it kind of surprised me. I would have me. expected that. I mean, look at it this way, right? When Destiny 1 came out, we hadn't known what Destiny was. We didn't really play it before. People were probably lukewarm on it and gun shy. So it built up a player base. Even you know, I, I know it's still a polarizing game, but. Destiny 1 did build up a player base, and then you had a bunch of people that were excited for the next game that go on to play the beta and pre-order, right? So I think inevitably it was going to get higher pre-order and beta numbers, but whether those are significantly higher, who knows? I think for a lot of people there was a little bit of surprise purely by the fact that you were talking about the Xbox 360 and PS3 at the end of their era, so you had a larger you know, base of people playing the, the beta and to see the numbers be higher was sort of shocking to me, especially without the PC to back it up. So you have far less systems out there. You have far more people playing the beta, which was, oh, yeah. to me, a little bit of a surprise. You, you potentially have more people out there because there are more, like, consoles. I mean, at the exactly. end of Xbox 360 and PC's player base, uh, sorry, uh, life cycle, there were a lot of consoles out there agreed, but also a bunch of those consoles were bought six, seven years ago by people that probably don't play it anymore. Like, the numbers that I'm really interested to see... Xbox One's out now. I I would have to say that that's sort of... That's pretty... I guess I would say a little bit odd reasoning because you're also talking about times when companies were were selling far more games to those people. So, obviously, they were playing them. So, I don't know why we would say Destiny wasn't getting played. No, no, I I guess... No, no, my... I guess just random question. I wasn't really making a statement. It was just saying that I would have loved to have seen how many active console players there were at that time versus how many active console players there are today. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah, but I mean, the active console players at that exact time were buying other AAA titles at the largest numbers ever. So obviously, a lot. I mean, if they were... So like an Activision game, let's say another one, a Call of Duty or something, is still selling, you know, bajillions. You can assume that some are gone. People have moved to PC, I think, which might be what you're saying, or, or, you know, or are starting getting ready to jump. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we see evidence that people were still playing them by the sales of some of those games at the end. 
which were yeah, and especially when Destiny came out, which was crazy. I mean, I get mm. what you're saying because we know people who at that the end weren't playing their 360s and PS3. Uh, but and I get why you're not surprised. It's just for me, I was mm. just surprised because I also wasn't imp- super impressed by the, this beta. So it was like instead of having no idea and then being somewhat impressed and sort of seeing the game and you know Dinklage and his hilarious voiceover, you jump <laughs> into this where we know what to expect and it still had more. I guess that's what I mean. It's like, damn. I, I, I guess what surprised me was we look at the stats that were coming out at the end of the last year. We saw how, like, Watch Dogs 2 underperformed, Dishonored 2 underperformed, like, all these sequels underperformed. And it kind of set a trend where a lot of True. <clears throat> uh, sequels were um, underperforming. I was thinking seeing that for Destiny 2 uh, was, was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, but... Yeah. Especially the, the pre-order thing. side. It's less of the beta. It's more of the pre-order. Look, I, I think... People underestimate how well uh, Bungie did to win back players with Destiny 1 DLC. Like, I hear it on so many different occasions mm-hmm. how much better Destiny 1 is now because of the DLC. And because of sure. that, I guarantee you that more people have pre-ordered Destiny 2 and played the beta more so than they would have done if they hadn't done a good job in the end of the life cycle of Destiny, yeah. right? So I'll say that. Also as well... Even though the beta might have been some subpart of some people, the fact is is that people played the beta in the first place, and they'll count those numbers in terms of the, how many people actually played the beta. So it could have been shit, in the, you know, shit completely from the get-go, but something drew those players to the beta in the first place. And I think it, because they're doing a better job marketing the damn game and saying the exact right things that they need to, like we're focusing on story, etc. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, and... I'd be a fool to say, like, well, that's bullshit, because, like, for example, I, I love the Battleborn at launch, but it's such a better game now, you know? And yeah. I, I know it hasn't really brought back its, its player base, but I, I totally see what Destiny fans are saying, where, like, yeah, one's probably, I can't speak for it because I've never played all the DLC, but I'm sure one is a better game now. Um, there, but, but we got to get really, really technical here. Um, and this will lead to a really interesting discussion. Is <laughs> Is there any game... And I'm sure you guys will name one right off the bat that had DLC added like this and made it a worse game. Uh, I'm sure it's happened. I'm not saying it hasn't. It's I, just, I'm sure it has happened too, and I'm trying to think. Right? It's like most of the times we hear DLC is the, the hot fix that you know brings in the changes you've been looking for for that game, especially a multiplayer. Um, but is there any like game where you paid for the DLC and it's like, wow, they they made this game fucking worse? I can't. I can't think of any. I really can't. Like I said, it's it's definitely happened, but it's like when. Yeah. So that's why when people say that, I'm like, well, you know, and we all have our own specific examples. Absolutely. Um, like I said, I just brought up my own, but you got to think. Most of the time, it's easier to, and I shouldn't undermine the hard work of game developers, but it definitely is easier when you're getting that direct feedback to to go in and and fix what fans are asking for at a yeah. later stage after the game is out. Yeah, I should say yeah. rather it's hard to fuck that up. <laughs> no, look, it, it might it might be it might be hard to fuck that up because you're getting feedback, especially with Destiny. Once you had a lot of people fall off, they were the hardcore player base that played for hours on end. They know what they wanted, and they were giving that feedback because they wanted to see changes made by Bungie. And Bungie was like, "All right, well, we're going to do that," and then it started to win more players back. I mean. I, I, again, I, I think some people underestimate actually how many people love Destiny and how many more people jump back on board. And that's why I'm not surprised that Destiny 2 has more pre-orders. Especially when, when you consider Destiny 1, 
it was a it was a new IP. People, you know, weren't really sure what it was going to be about and stuff like that. And and again, I think the marketing that they're doing for this game has been much better than mm. Destiny One, Absolutely. much better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But the like Carrick said, the beta just did not do it for me. But again, like, you know, the beta was bad, but the point is people went to the beta and played it in the first place. So even if they said at that stage, well, this is shit, I'm not playing it anymore and I'm not buying this game, people still played the beta. So when Activision says more people are playing the beta, there's something to that. There's something that drew them to that beta in the first place. you got to wonder, though, is there a connection between the beta players and the pre-orders or are more pre-orders than Destiny 1 happening because Destiny 1 players already know what they're getting into? Possibly. Like, th- there could be so many reasons behind that. I mean, I-, I guarantee you that there would have been more people pre-ordering the game because of the beta, even though some people were disappointed. There could have been some people that wanted to see certain things uh, done to-, to Destiny 1 mm-hmm. after launch, and maybe they never pre-ordered. Like, this-, this is the thing that I wanted to bring up, and-, and I'm glad I remembered it. With Destiny 1, because it was a new game and a new IP, you probably didn't have as many people pre-ordering it. But now that millions of people have played Destiny 1, they know what it is, they're more confident in pre-ordering Destiny 2 because they know what they're likely going to get, especially after some people play the beta and they realize, well, pretty much it's just more Destiny. And some people are okay with that. And then they'll go pre-order Destiny 2 because they know what they're getting into. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay, Thank okay, you. Any, uh, I appreciate any it. <laughs> any thoughts? No, I mean, if they can pre-order on PC as well, that's another reason that's to not him. be surprised because you have a, a, a massive contingent of people who can oh, now need that get the game beta on PC that, that couldn't that couldn't get it and um but no I'm still I mean regardless of all that makes sense but I'm still I'm still just I'm I'm just legitimately surprised um maybe not necessarily who played the beta or anything but just the pre-orders and uh, not because I didn't like the beta that means nothing cuz it's a beta like you have no yeah. clue what what that fucking means in the end but mm-hmm. uh just just overall I think it's cool I mean, I think it's cool if it's going to be good. Like, I, I what I, what I'm, what would suck is if, blah blah blah, all these people, and then it's like, you know, two weeks after release, you have that upswell of just, you know, horrible discontent. I hope that we always get some. I'm just yeah. a big title like this. I don't want to see that company have that kind of failure a second time. Um, that's no, that's yeah. hard on people if you're working there. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're mentioning that as well. I recently read an article about Titanfall 2 and how yeah, me too. <laughs> even even though it sold well, it, like I think Vince Ampel said that it didn't sell as well as it right. probably should have. And I agree. And I, I, I do feel bad about Titanfall 2 because it's now on the EA vault or whatever it is. EA Access. Um, and it just didn't do as well second time around, even though it's fundamentally a better game. And Man. it has a really solid single player. And if you read, I, I'm assuming you did read the, the quote then, Lone, his, his, um, his passive aggressiveness hasn't stopped because this is the same <laughs> guy who was talking about the PR dude and was like, whatever the fuck that means. And once again, what does he say? If you listen, he says, well, that's the quote I'm supposed to say. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> this guy is sitting on a pile of fucking angst, just rubbing a canker sore in his emotional complex, and he's just ready to snap. <laughs> he's like, I'm, and I would be too. Imagine if you had the best race car or whatever and the only reason you couldn't do it is because some damn sponsor was like no you need to change the color of the a and our our name you know something that just made no sense and that's Mm -hmm. the way i'm sure those guys feel uh because it was better in every way i would assume i mean i don't know of any way titanfall 2 was not better than titanfall 1 
Hmm. Yeah, maybe Except just the release, release window. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. It's just, just so sad, man. It's so fucking state. sad. And imagine if if I was sitting there and we were all talking, we were a band, let's say. We're like, hey, we're gonna release our brand new album. We're we're tight. We're like, this is gonna be good. And then the Beatles were like, we're coming back with something, <laughs> you know, or or Rolling Stones. And you're like, fuck. I mean, yeah. It, it, that's really what happened, and their own company did that to them. You can tell if you read that quote; it's it's got some hilarious, uh, you know, passive aggressive undertones to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right. Well, that'll uh, wrap up that little section there. Let's oh. talk about some uh, Evil Within too. They were there was a huge info dump on basically all of its customization options um, and RPG elements. So I'm just going to read the entire shindig here that Carrick provided me. <clears throat> and this is a lot, ladies and gentlemen, so bear with me if I stutter a couple of times. Customization. Uh, customizing Sebastian and your gear will now have separate systems. Green gel is still used to upgrade Sebastian, but weapons will now be upgraded with weapon parts. Customization for Sebastian can be broken down into five categories. Health, stealth, combat, recovery, and athleticism. Upgrades within these skill trees are numerous, but include recovering more health from healing items, redu- uh, reducing reticle sway when firing weapons, and the chance to automatically use a medical syringe when taking fatal damage. You'll also be able to unlock special abilities in the Evil Within 2, such as Bullet Cascade, which temporarily increases damage with each shot. These powerful active upgrades will cost a great deal of green gel, however, so you might uh, choose wisely when weighing them up against your passive upgrades. Um, weapon custom... Shit, someone texted me. Weapon customization follows the <laughs> standard route for a survival horror, it? and you'll be able to tweak your firepower, ammo capacity, reload time, and fire rate, which this was in the first game. However, the Warden Crossbow, with its variety of useful bolts, can be tweaked to change the parameters on the bolts themselves, depending on what kind of bolt, you, uh, bolt effect you favor. Elsewhere... There's a new focus on crafting ammunition and healing supplies in the Evil Within 2. Our crafting systems let you craft ammunition for the weapons you like, uh, said Johannes. Um, you don't have to rely solely on what you can scrounge up in the world. Again, it's the emphasis on letting people play how they want to play, but it all comes back to how much you can explore and track down the resources you can. Now, I want to just offer a quick comment that I kind of don't like him saying that it's not about what you scrounge up in the world because I think that's what makes survival horror really good. More on that later. This means uh, resource resource the can't say it, resource scavenging the items you'll find scattered around the world can be forged into ammo and first aid on a workbench which can be found either in a safe house or on its own in union. Ammo is scarce throughout the world of the evil within 2. So crafting is essential, and although you can craft on the fly, if you must, it will cost more resources. You can customize your experience to prepare yourself for what's waiting for you, but there's danger around every corner in Union. And the key to that danger is the fact that you don't know what's lurking around the next corner. Horror for me is always about the sense of mystery you feel and how you can never fully grasp what's going on. So as a joke today, I sent this to patrons and I removed the name of the game. And I said, without using the internet, please tell me which game this was. Does anybody want to guess what game was the 100% choice? Every single person chose this, this game. You want to guess I'm, which game it was? I want to say Destiny, but I'm probably wrong. No, it was Dead Rising. And it literally is, yeah. When you take it away and start looking at 
how the upgrades work, the the instant healing that you can possibly do, oh, and yeah. the way that they the way they ch- talked about opening up the world, it I, I say I said you know I want to know, and every single person was like, oh that's Dead Rising right, that's Dead Rising four. A lot of them hadn't played it, so they they weren't you know exactly one hundred percent up on everything. But I agree with Maddie, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. It to me, when somebody says. Oh. Uh, you know, the possibility of an instant heal and stuff like that. I got to tell you guys that the most poignant and just really awesome parts of most horror games to me are those moments when I have to choose to look at something else other than the game world, whether it's my inventory to heal myself or whether it's I have to pause to do so. Having a system like that, this uh, the possible uh, automatic stuff, all of this crafting, it removes a great deal of what I felt people liked about evil within and that's what i'm worried about okay interesting well i i get what they're doing where they're trying to expand on one of the cooler mechanics i felt was in you know the first evil within which was i i think and i haven't played it since the launch month um but i think if you burn the bodies they wouldn't come back and they drop green gel but you'd have a limited amount of matches so that green gel wasn't just something you got off of every body. And I'm just, like I said, right. going off of memory. And so I get that the upgrade system, I thought, was a, a welcome surprise. You know, getting that extra health. It made that small difference as the game progressed. But overall, you were never this ultimate badass. And I don't think that'll happen in this game. I think it'll still be a tough game. But here's the thing. is What I'm seeing is them try to be openly accessible with a series that, I, I mean... It's not really supposed to be accessible, is it, right? You Correct. Know, survival horror no. is supposed to be pretty niche, and if you're choosing to make a series survival horror, you should stick to it, or else you will end up like Resident Evil 4 to 5 and 6, and then you'll see it go back to its with 7. And so I, I get what they're doing where, you know, you had weapon upgrades in the first one, and so they're like, well, let's add crafting. And it's like, okay, I doubt that they're going to give me, like, 40 different things to craft with, and it's going to be easy. But when they said you're not going to really rely on what's around the world as much, that's when I found a bit of concern because, like I said, that's my favorite thing about survival horror. And I think that's a sentiment that's shared is the idea of really counting on everything you have in the area, like scouring it two times over, making sure everything's in your inventory before you move on because those extra two bullets could be what make or break you know, what's about to happen in the next room. And when you add a crafting system... I can scour that room, then craft. So, I mean, I don't think it's all gloom and doom. I just think that there is the potential for the series to lose some of its identity with these changes. I'm trying to think. Did, didn't Resident Evil 7 have a crafting system? Mm, yes, because I remember upgrading my weapons, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I remember... Had the coins. It had the coins in, in the, the bird cages. In the bird cages, yeah. And also as well, I think, because uh, when you picked up, like, herbs and a different um, ingredient, you can make health. And sometimes you could find health on its own. But it's kind of different where, in terms of crafting, the only way you can get an item is by crafting versus you can use crafting to help you get more of an item that you can already find as you explore. Right? Oh, yeah. That's, so that's it, it's a, got to find a good balance between that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a very good example. Resident Evil, you could take the green and red herb, you combine it, you get like a full health, a full bar of health if you use it. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, yeah, that that in that case, that's got, that's awesome then. Um, my concern is like when we were reading about the abilities, like, oh, you can use an emergency syringe and you won't die immediately. It's like, no, that's that shouldn't be a thing. That makes no fucking <laughs> sense. Bullet yeah. time or whatever. What was it called? Bullet 
Bullet uh, Cascade. Oh, is that Bullet Cascade like? Uh, you know, that type of stuff where you do temporarily more damage. Like, come on. You know, I I, I mean, because here's what happens is no matter how much QA you do, someone's going to find a way to exploit that pretty easily. And a boss that is supposed to be really impactful and, and difficult and the big challenge, you'll straight fucking cheese through. Because... Okay, I, I have a question then. I have a question then. What if all these extra mechanics were optional and you had an option that said hard mode versus normal mode? And you were able to pick hard mode. Because here's the mm-hmm. thing. I know a lot of players, and probably myself, that wouldn't mind having all these extra features, even yeah. though I'm playing a horror game. But then you guys would want to play on the harder mode to get that more hardcore experience. Plus, and I like a traditional I, horror I, I experience. I hope they do that, because Resident Evil had Madhouse. And that was, yeah. that was really cool, because it, it kind of changed the fundamentals of the game. I don't think it removed certain mechanics. I think Kara can speak on that more, because... I hadn't played yeah, it, much of it, it. It was a remix mode almost because it actually added some stuff to puzzles. It was pretty crazy. It was yeah, I, yeah. I would consider it the best um, option upgrade I've ever seen in a game. Probably, yeah, it's just, a really impressive game it plus. But uh, no, I would agree. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily bad or good. I just they haven't shown that there was enough issues with Evil Within One that I would have liked to have seen them um, learn and then move into two with the improvements from one. And then some of the stuff they're changing, that won't actually be possible because certain things will change as well. And I don't necessarily yeah. know if they're capable um, or, or if what they want to do is actually necessarily, um, I guess, the reason why a lot of people played The Evil Within. Because when I talk to people and they say they played The Evil Within, the reasons why they played wasn't this at all. Mm-hmm. What, then you okay. get the people who, my, like my friends, would say, oh, great, I can jump in here and I can adjust this and change that. I get all that, but that doesn't. that's you. I'm still worried that devs can pull it off at all. And the reason why is because if you okay. look at what they're talking about, they're talking about new gear, they're talking about five RPG elements, they're talking about upgrades, and they're talking about West weapon customization. So you've got like five massive changes to the gameplay state. Um, but I don't know about the team. Maybe they hired some people. I mean, if they hired people who have worked on games like that, then... That would make me feel much better because those people can bring in their experience and say, okay, you know, if you still want it to be scary, you have to do this. But here, I, you know what I don't want? I I don't necessarily want to get hit by a boss and heal myself, I guess. Like those kind yeah. of things in a horror yeah. game. Well, it's like game. disengaging. It, it, it breaks it is you away bit, yeah. from an experience where you're like, I should be dead. Yet I'm not because video games, right? Um, yeah, it's just it, it'll be interesting though. It could be awesome, right? Yeah, it well, could maybe it turns it into the title they wanted. That's the other side of the coin I was going to get to was you know perhaps they're not perhaps they are building the game with these mechanics in mind. My fear with that is, for example, they'll present me a boss and they'll be like, okay, in this boss we're going to expect the game the user to have the uh, the bullet cascade ability, and if they make frequent use of it, this boss will not feel impossible as compared to mm. when you do use it. For example, you use Bullet Cascade, you can break off pieces of its armor, and after that, you can shoot them. That's when it gets a little too... Mm, I don't know. It gets the... dicey. Yeah. It, it does. It gets That gets chopped up. Because then you can have someone who... And I'm speaking hypothetically here, mind you, but you can have someone who might not have that ability. I don't know if it's like a must-have ability or something, but then all of a sudden the game, because you didn't build your character for a specific level just right... The game gets exponentially, unreasonably more difficult where 
for example, in the Evil Within one, you got this kind of level playing field where you know you can invest in your health, your reload speed, your weapon. You know, you know that no matter how you build your character, you should stand a fighting chance no matter what, as long as you properly scour the area for resources. But when you start adding abilities in and those types of things, it's hard to really interpret what the player is going to have at that point in the game, and yeah. that leads to issues where you know someone gets unnecessarily stuck on a part that. Uh, we had this kind of with Doom, where we were like, well, this part was really hard. No, it wasn't. You know, or this part was really easy. I thought the end dragged. You know, you thought it was just that right length. You said a friend thought it was too short. Oh, right, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So you get yeah, that kind of that. issue. And, I, I, like, I hope people don't think, you know, that I think negatively. I'm just nervous. I mean, there's a difference between hating on something and just being nervous for the You're people who really like the character. original. God damn it. Stop criticizing yeah. things. All right. And and I really just, I want to see those people who liked it like Maddie. Because remember this, I'm not a big fan of this game at all. At yeah. all. And so I'm sort of fighting for the people who probably would want a game I wouldn't necessarily love. And I want them to get that, the expertise from the devs saying, okay, this and this, sort of like Destiny. You know, do you change it too much? Or do you go with 1.5? to get the people who are like, yep, this is more Destiny. So, And that's that's always the, the balance and the worry, especially yeah. for a game that hasn't, maybe hasn't sold too well. I'm not saying Evil Within 1 didn't sell well, but, you know, it's not like a big, you know, triple blockbuster. A, like, blockbuster game that sold amazingly well that the publisher or the developer can say, well, we'll we're just going to do the exact same. When you have a game that you still want to really try and increase its player base with the next title, there's always a real balance between... How much do you change it? Do you keep it more closer towards the original to keep current players happy and have them come to the next game? Mm-hmm. But if you do that, then you might not be changing enough to get new players on board. But if you change it too much, then you disenfranchise old players. Like, yeah, I don't tough, think there's ever tough. a right mix. It, you, I don't think you can ever do it perfectly. Someone will always complain. Always. Also, it's going to be a very good game, weird. A, a good example of a game that took all the past experiments and combined them into one and actually turned out really well was Splinter Cell Blacklist. That game, hands yeah. down. That game was fan- went fantastic. Oh, my God. They, they just Here's, mixed everything. And it the thing that so also well. sounds odd is there's all that, and then the fact that it's one big open world, which just, it, it, it's like, really? because I love. Yeah, is, yeah, they, it, they, that's right. What? That is in the quote. It's in the, up, yeah, it's in the quote. They've opened it all up. Now, how, how about hubs? Let's call it hubs. Okay. okay. Maddie, okay. it's a little bit closer to hubs, but it is not in any way, shape, or form closed off. In fact, they say, they want to greatly expand and allow players to choose how they go through and what they experience in a level. So it's kind so of like Borderlands. Or or maybe even Mass Effect, even though that's going to be a hard comparison for some people to make, but it's a yeah, good I hub. Mean, it's, how about this? I think the best way is, is just what Bethesda games have, published titles have become known for. you got this hub area, and it branches out into a bunch of separate levels. You know, look at Prey, and it's also, look at Doom, look at it, Dishonored. And yeah. it's also weird that there's side quests in this game. Like it's a, Wait, it's got a full are? quest. Oh my god! But yeah, there kinda... are new ways to replenish supplies by exploring more in the hub world before you go to the next main area. Taking that's not bad. In that's side not... quests, which like reward it. you with supplies and goodies, or using stuff you could use to upgrade instead, craft items for yourself. You know, I like that. I like that. I, I like I, that, but I gotta I like wonder how they they plan on like. How do you a plan on balancing that? Is there now an expectation that the player? It, it, Okay, I've complained, I wouldn't say complained, but I've talked about this before, that we have a lot of games, I haven't experienced one in a little bit now, but you'll often hear them say, we have side activity, but that side yeah. activity is a necessity, and therefore it becomes main activity. It's not really, yeah, it's, just, 
it's side activity by name. So my question is, once again, when we're balancing out, you know, a survival horror title like The Evil Within 2, are they going to be constantly accounting for, okay, we're going to expect the player to do all these side quests in this area. Otherwise, they're going to be severely underleveled and they're going to get crushed. And I think, I always, I think, should be the encouragement that players should try everything they can, but we have to also think of the players who are just like, I want the story. Just give it to and, me. And, and, that, and that'll come down to QA. They'll have, like, 50% of their... Yeah. Like, these are random numbers, but 50% of their QA, don't do any side quests. Just play and tell me if it's playable. And then they'll have 50% saying, do what you think is necessary. You know, like, do some side quests if you think you need more stuff. And then, then they'll work it out that way. But you're right. There is always a balance. However, the reason why I say I like that is because... I always like games that kind of give you a reason to do side quests, but it does need to be more meaningful than just if you want to survive and yeah, get and health, it, then do the side quests. It can't be Mass Effect where people are too busy fucking polishing each other's poop decks and fucking, be, and the world is ending, <laughs> and the Reapers are attacking, and they're like, hold on, got to film an audio fucking log right when yeah, I'm dying, that's and that's let's the go fuck. Oh, that's, that's the dissonance that dissonance happens with stuff. every game. I mean, ha- have it a look does, at Zelda. Oh, it's wait, a horror ha- game. That's that's an adventure game, dude. This is a horror no, no, but game. It, it, no, but it still exists. Like, think of it this way, right? With Zel- with Zelda, you're playing as Link. Fucking Zelda is trapped with Ganon. God knows if he's torturing her and doing whatever. And then this kid is fishing, killing chickens, and cooking food. Like, mm. you, th- there is still a dissonance there, and all games struggle with that. To kind of say, well, look, you've got to make the game fun. You've got to have side quests in there. You can't just have people do nothing with the main quest because yeah, that's mean, what an actual hero uh, would do. So many games. I would argue and say that survival horror requires less dissonance. Yeah, for you. I, agree. Okay, I would say enough. that it requires less. Because I think it's very I, I different. You know, that, I think yeah. every Bethesda Game Studios game, you step out of whatever prison or wherever the fuck you came from, and it's <laughs> like you have this very urgent matter to attend to. Where's my dad? Where's my son? Where's Dude. the fucking emperor? And remember, yeah. games have fixed that. What's the a Divinity Original Sin? If you didn't save the chick, she died. You came yeah. back, and the guy's like, where the fuck were you? And you're all, uh... Yeah, exactly. So, but here's another thing that creeps me out. When you look at this, my hope is that they made a phone call to the people who made Alan Wake. And the reason why is this. Alan Wake 1 was going to be this, and it stopped. One, technology. But two, was actually because it didn't work as a horror game. And so I would love for them to sit down and go, okay, why didn't it work back then? Remove the tech part because the tech's been fixed, obviously, and, and look, at, look at it and sort of identify why it didn't work and why they ended up switching to a far more linear-based, almost with Evil Within 1 for Alan Wake. Okay, um, I, I have a question for That you would guys. be interesting. Would, would a way to solve it with games like this, like Fallout 1, is have a timer? Have some some sort of limit that says unless you get to this point, this person will die or something will happen. Yeah, Would that see, be that, a way to get people sh- to move you along? Struggle with. I think the best way to do it because you got like you got games with invisible pressure like Zelda, uh, like Fallout Four, where it's like you got to save your son, you got to save the princess, but it's like, do I really? No, I don't. Yeah, actually. No, yeah. Then you got games with like real pressure, like Dead Rising Two. Put put a fucking timer on your ass and and make you rush through. Yep certain things and feel like oh god i gotta keep going i gotta keep going i like i can't pause i can't stop and that pressure works but then it feels like limiting to the gamer it's like okay i would explore this house but like i don't know how much time i have left um so i don't think a timer would work i I always think it just boils down to if you make your story compelling enough and i know it's not easy but i'm just saying if it comes down to that narrative reason then all of a sudden like yeah i feel the the narrative pressure to to rush to that objective 
um, instead of like, okay, I'm going to go check out these side quests. It's like, no, this person needs me. I got to get there now, you know, that kind of thing. So for me personally, yeah. I think it boils down to a narrative. If you, if you put a timer though, yeah, like everyone feels pressure. Like I got to go, I got to go. Um, it, it, is, also- it is it is, is tough. I mean, you can never get this right. Again, yeah. if yeah. you ever want to have side quests in a game, you have to have something that draws people to the side quest. And that inevitably is going to create some dissonance with the main story. Like it's, it's one of those things we need to, I, I think in most cases we have to say, look, if they don't do it too bad, let's just accept that it's a video game and sometimes this happens. Yeah. yeah. And that's I think we're also looking at, um, I mean, there's a push-pull that developers are going to, the first thing they're going to look at, especially because they're adding crafting systems, is do we um, do the typical or atypical, whatever, finite resources versus infinite respawning enemies? Or do we do finite resources, finite enemies? And if you do that, then your horror is gone. Yeah. It's gone. It'll be completely gone. But if you do respawning enemies, then you run into the absolute infuriating feeling that most gamers get where a game says you can explore, but they can't because like they're out of prey? resources. Like with Prey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. The thing that came to mind. So, but it's funny because I didn't have an issue with Prey in that way because I, the way I played. Did. I did. And that's the thing. That is exactly, that is exactly you, you know, the biggest problem. You know what the issue with Prey was? Is was the location of completing side quests because you'd get to one point yeah. and you'd find like hey, an on audio the other log. side of the space station. Go exactly. on, exactly. Get... Like go back this way, and now, oh my god, you're in the same area, and there's like ten respawning enemies. But they could have done and it more as powerful. In... Exactly, but giant typhoon. Oh. When you come across audio logs, they could have been. You can do this side quest by progressing forward into a similar area that you were, you know, that you haven't been yet. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or that you were like it, you're it about to go anyway. Here's the thing: is because the side quests were actually pretty good. It, it's it just it lacks so much cohesion. Like it, it, it clearly there was no forethought. It like let's put this side quest on the other end of the station. Sure, you could exit the space station, travel, and enter through another place. But like you said, then you're encountering another ten enemies, and then you get yeah. like jack shit, and, and then you just think to yourself, why did I even bother? Right. So yep, it, it's yeah. That's the the other issue though. The evil within two faces. Um. I do have confidence in the team, though, because I happen to like the first Evil Within a lot. I thought it was a really fun game. Um, I thought it was just that right amount of intensity. I hope they take a couple of notes from Resident Evil 7, because um, that's going to be the one I'm kind of comparing it to the whole time I'm playing it, is less of its predecessor and more of like, okay, this is kind of, for me personally, like the standard for uh, modern survival horror games. So, you know, what can the Evil Within 2 offer that... Uh, Resident Evil 7 didn't. Yeah. And that might just be accessibility. It, it might be that kind of step below game. Could we'll be. say it should be interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, next topic is... Okay, real quick. Ooh. I was just reading up on that. My bad. Supplies will be limited. Enemies will respawn. Supplies will be limited. <sighs> will respawn. Hmm. Yeah, sorry. I was just reading wow, that. Suddenly, I, was suddenly to... I don't give a fuck about the evil within 2. <laughs> No, I wouldn't worry. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> the thing is, is like they they know what they're they know what they're trying to make. Um, oh, man. And we talked earlier about taking impressions or taking, um, uh, you know, the idea from another game. So hopefully mm-hmm. they're taking it from the right games. I mean, Look, yeah. it could be great. Like because I love Resident Evil Seven. So and it's got a lot of these. But um, see, the thing that I find so liberating in a survival horror game is like in Resident Evil Seven, you wiped out the enemies in the basement. And when you're trekking through again, like, if something happened in the narrative, yeah, it makes sense they respawn. But when they're naturally respawning, which they didn't, it, it let me explore and really just take it in. Right. As, Agreed. As Agreed. what was happening around you. It's like, 
wow, this is really this is really cool, despite how fucking scary this is. I just have never been a fan of respawning enemies in almost any game. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. It, all, Agreed. it always almost never makes sense. <laughs> like, it, it, or, and I don't mean sense like the way we are talking about dissonance. Mm-hmm. I just mean it, it feels like a stopgap. It feels like they're like we we don't want the player. You know, I mean, I I, I completely we, get what Maddie is saying when he says that with Resident Evil Seven because enemies didn't respawn. You could go back into the house. Like, let's say, oh, I need some more health or ingredients. You could, you know, pretty much safely go back into that house and know that there aren't enemies there. But then, if you look at Prey, if if they implemented the same system, I wouldn't go back into that house. I'd be like, fuck it. There's no point because I'm gonna lose more items than I, you know, you know, trying to get get more items because there are enemies there. So I want to have to sh- use some ammunition. I'm probably gonna have to use some more health just to get more health. So yeah. I like Resident Evil Seven for that. And the other thing, though, is that because I thought Resident Evil 7's story was pretty good, um, it was fun to go back and just explore, for example, the manor, because you could, like, look at a lot of the environmental storytelling that they had there, like, yeah, the yeah. pictures lying about and, and what happened to this family and hearing, you know, for example, the, the VHS tapes. That, that was another example of something so fucking... Like, it made so much sense in the narrative, but, like, for some reason, Jack's wife had... Uh, Mia had a... Had a fucking videotape with her for some reason, like fucking Mia. Yeah, yeah, I just I don't get it. But um, here's hoping that the responding enemies um, don't ruin <laughs> the game. I guess is what I'm gonna say. That's that's my biggest yep. fear, man, because I do not like responding enemies. Anyway, yeah. um, next topic is Capcom. They plan on making more games for the Nintendo Switch after Street Fighter II's success. And this is it's weird. Because they said, uh, if you guys remember, that our Switch future is going to be dictated on Street Fighter 2 success. It sold about 450,000 copies. And now they're saying our uh, Switch future is going to be dictated on Monster Hunter XX sales. Like, I, I don't know like, why they're not necessarily sold on it yet. Like, they're still, I guess, gun-shy to really committing to this system. And... I believe they also announced uh, Resident Evil Revelations. That's by Capcom, right? Yeah, Twenty bucks. Yeah. So it's it's just weird. Like it's just weird to me. Un- until I see like their next big, let's say their next big Street Fighter game come to the Switch as well, then this is all just smoke and mirrors. And I don't know whether they're actually committing to this system. Hmm. Yeah, that's the thing I was thinking. Is like, I, you know, how much success was? street fighter 2 on the switch that's it's kind of the first question i have because you know are they saying like oh we'll, we'll support the switch more are they just gonna like you said like port more or are they actually yeah. going to be like making a dedicated game because that would be cool uh especially because for example monster hunter i know it's on monster hunter world is coming to playstation but it was um at home on the ds for a while and it'd be really yeah. interesting to see like another new monster hunter game specifically made for the switch um you know i are just Hmm, Mega Man, maybe? You know, I don't know. Bring back Mega Man, for fuck's sake. I love Mega Man X8, dude. The game's so yeah. good. <laughs> but, you know, they have a lot of IP to play around with. Lost I do. Planet, bring back Lost Planet. Yeah, Carrick, you'd like that. Yeah. I love Lost Planet, too. <laughs> that game I like so Lost Planet. But the thing is, is obviously, I think, right before both of those, or right before that press conference or whatever, he met up with the Red Red Dead or Rockstar dude. And they both said, how can we answer something without answering? 
It's like it's just like, oh, we're 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 thinking about this because of something else. We know that they're out there. Well, of course you fucking do. You have eyes. And Capcom, sorry, it, we got to see they were they um, leaked or officially, I don't know which, showed their sales expectations for the last like three years of games. Uh, yeah. Their their oh, ideas, are, their yeah, ideas of sales are week. in such a stratosphere of unbelievability that <laughs> I've actually talked to devs and been like. Do you guys know that the expectations are this high? Because if I was you and working for them, I would be stressed out because I would know that what so, they so were what expecting. What are their numbers? Oh, dude. Like Dead Rising 4 was like many, 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 many million. Like their expectations are insane. And it, it, it was enough that there were like Reddit threads about it. There were NeoGAF threads about it. There were... Game fact threads. There were all these threads about it, and I think Kotaku even might have said something like, "Is Capcom's sales department crazy?" But their expectations for sales, and then their reallocation of funds if those expectations are not met to other groups, yeah. is insane. It's something you and I would like. You and I would go, "Oh wow, you hit it. You're in good shape." They would say that is a terrible performer, and and we don't want to make that game anymore. And as one person said, is it possible that they have some people in charge who remember the glory days and can't figure out why the glory days, there's too much competition with indie games and all this stuff, stealing away little bits of money. You can't really expect but the glory here days we go. anymore. Just I don't to know. provide context to it, I found an article. Capcom okay. said that Resident Evil 7 failed to meet expectations. They expected yeah. it to sell 4 million, and it fell short by 500,000 copies. Now See, four million just coming short. Like that's not. I wouldn't say failed to meet expectations, but yeah. You know, the other side I, is is you you promised free DLC literally at the end credits, and you have yet to fulfill yeah. that. So maybe if you yeah. provide that DLC as promised, that that sales mark would have hit. Mm. And then could it be also that they feel that some of those sales were purely people testing out PSVR? The million people who bought the you know where where sure. the, was there and they're worried of that um but the thing is is their expectations within the time frame as well they expected four million at a specific time which to many people was not only a high number on a new system with some huge changes remember i mean i think we would all agree resident evil 7's got some massive overall narrative changes uh it's more of a what would you call it chainsaw massacre type of game than what we're used to at least for a good period of time and so i just think that their ideas of what they sell are crazy and it seems like they just keep hedging their bets with the Switch. It feels like the Wii U and the Wii. Yeah, we'll get there. Or the Dreamcast and EA. EA's like, mm. yeah, you know, maybe we'll do something someday. And then they never do. It's and interesting because they, they view $450,000 units, sorry, 450,000 units for the Street Fighter 2 as a success and something that justifies making more games. But that's a, a really old game. It is a well-established franchise, but it's, an old, it's actually an old, old, Ford. old game. Right, and it's a port. Um, what kind of numbers would they ex- like? Would they need for Monster Hunter Two? On, a new two? One. on yeah. here, no, and exactly right. I don't know. I really don't exactly. know. Exactly. Isn't it crazy? I mean, I don't know. The numbers just look off. Uh, and I've said this before. I'm fighting myself because in the past I've said we don't know, and we don't. But it just seems to me that their expectations are abnormally high. Maybe they yeah. consider it a success because we just covered last week how the Switch sold, I think, just about four plus million consoles. Yeah. So four hundred thousand for a port. I mean, probably a very l- low effort port. Didn't cost them much money. It's that's probably a success in their eyes. Like 
the the algorithms and the actual formulas that they'd be running to determine what is a success 10%. for a particular platform. Yeah, exactly right. Like they'd have percentages, they'd have yeah. c- certain weightings, whether a game is brand new or whether it's an old IP, whatever convoluted shit that they have. Like they have data analysts that run the numbers, and then that's what they'll look at. And we can look at you know from the third from the outside and say, well, that doesn't make sense, but to them, it makes complete sense. Exactly. Because exactly. yeah, but it's just. It still doesn't make sense. We, we, we all exactly. know that. But at we the know, same time, you look at numbers. it, you're like, yeah, you're like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, it feels like you're riding a tricycle with one of the wheels missing. And you're like, I need something to sort of help me out and help yeah. me understand it. But I mean, we see I, I, Rising I, coming to so many systems. It's all, all of them are on PS4 it, now. Yeah. You know, is that yeah. something we could see coming to the Switch, like Dead Rising 1 and 2? Whoops. Sorry, my dogs. Um, okay. I would love to see. I would love to see Dead Rising on Switch. Mm. <laughs> I would just like to see more games come to the Switch, to be honest. I mean, yeah, so I, would I. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing, Carrick. I, this is, I wanted to raise this in the, this podcast, right? So for a while on the Switch, all the games that I wanted to play, like like most games anyways, I like to play the big titles, the big AAAs. That's just the way I am because I have limited time. But on the Switch, because I'd finished Zelda, Mario Kart, etc., I was kind of forced to experiment and, and play a smaller indie title or just a smaller game that I wouldn't usually play. So looking at all the other games, like there are a bunch of games on the Switch that are actually good. It, and I just, it, all it required was me to change my perspective. And even though this isn't like a not unknown title, it was Shovel Knight. And I played that. It's a game that I would never have played. Like if there was, if there was uh, Super Mario Odyssey and Assassin's Creed or whatever there is on the Switch, I never would have bought Shovel Knight. But I was forced to, and I'm having so much fun with this fucking game. And I guarantee. And now I'm like, well, what else is there? Like, what other smaller unknown titles haven't I played yet that aren't necessarily big blockbuster tri- AAA games? And I think that's the benefit of a Switch that maybe people that had that perspective that I did, you know, don't see that. They don't see that there are actually a great number of games on this thing but it, they're just not like the typical big games that they usually play yeah i mean uh, yeah uh, i would i would agree with that it's i think that um i would rather not see a company floating on their golden island like nintendo making you forced to do that no i and i, um, I agree with that i, I, I was that sort of sad i'll say that yeah. yeah yeah i mean metroid i i i agree that i'd like to see games but i always once we really jump into it start talking about the original ips from them being mm. being made for the switch is really what i want to see because i i buy the switch for a specific reason i think and i buy the ps4 and and the xbox for specific reasons and that reason with the switch is not met by shovel knight even if shovel knight is good if that makes sense yeah, yeah that's what you're if it's not backed up by other things if that makes sense yeah i like shovel knight a lot Talk about, really really good. Dude, fucking awesome. Talk about a game that awesome. I played and did not like it first, and then I played it again. I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> nah, it is so much fun. Uh, it's just one of those games, it's, it's making me go back and say, all right, I need to get every fucking piece of armor, every ability, every magic item. Every it's song just, sheet. It's so every song sheet. And it was so long ago I played it when I covered it. Uh, yeah, take but, a guess, Lon. What'd you play? Where did, where did I play it? Oh, where did you play? Oh, on your fucking Vita, didn't you? Bet. You? you bet. You bet. I played it on the 3DS when it first <laughs> came out, and it was so cramped. Oh, wow. I hated it. I couldn't oh. do it. My fucking hands hurt, and I played it on the Vita. I was at home, baby. Fuck me. Call you Mr. Did. Matty Homecoming, the fucking Spider-Man sequel <laughs> with my Vita. It, it, it's awesome, too, because they were in early access for years. And so it's like, yeah. I, I remember covering that when the channel first started. 
And so it, it was great to see them like fully come up and people saying, hey, you know, they're finally, you know, everything's done. And then they had the DLC that was awesome. Uh, yeah, and I want to buy that as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And people are saying it is legitimately version two, by the way. Like it is a sequel. As in, wow. that's how much content there. At least that's what I'm seeing people post. They say, it, like, good. No, I was going to say, it's just small things with that game. I mean, when, you, when you're reading dialogue, and it, you know how, like, if you're talking to a witch, and then you, you, you talk a little bit between each other, and then at the end you'll say, thank you, witch. And then she's like, I'm not a witch. And then the text will move to kind of, like, emphasize how she's saying it. it i don't know what it is it just mm-hmm. i love the dialogue in that game like the way the knights talk to each other like who invited this peasant to the dinner table it's just it fucking hilarious in a way just that, the dialect mm. for everyone's so different like sir gilman yeah. versus how like uh the moon touch girl talks oh yeah dude pyres you know I, I joked about this in the review because there's not a lot of voice but when there is voice between the different characters, it is so modulated and well done to make you think, yeah. okay, these are different people. It's not like Skyrim, where you're like, you know, Claudia Christensen from fucking Babylon 5 is talking to you, and she's just reading lines. It's where you're like, oh, this is a, a new character. This is somebody who I've never your, heard. Uh, who was your favorite out of the whole group? Um, I, honestly, the, um, the, uh, I, I got rid of him. Well, okay, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have got him, rid of him the longest. I didn't have him the longest. Um, is it Rucker? The 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 oh, dog. Rookie? Um, dude, he it was like a fucking verbalized English speaking shaggy do that was <laughs> pissy all the time. And the the interactions with the NPC group that you have, the one mm-hmm. particular NPC group that are dogs as well, I fucking loved that character. And yeah. I made a mistake at the end where you can do particular things and then change sort of your 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 staff the people and yeah. I, I he was out of the team and i was like are you fucking shitting me he's my favorite and then i got rid of the chick right away i hated the demon girl what the, i love joe Dario. Oh, no 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 so impossible long. impossible you couldn't have liked her <laughs> i swear what do you think of this game generally like is it is it being reviewed well yeah it's being reviewed well and it's a good game yeah, okay. it's uh, we we talk about you know now that we're talking about it a little bit. I should highlight to those listening that we always talk about choice and consequence in games, and Pyre absolutely yep. does that a lot. And eighty five on Metacritic, by the way. Here's the thing, uh, Maddie. Also, it has probably the best. This is very rare in games. I can think of Viking for the three sixty, and maybe two or three other games that do this. Where mid game you think is end game, and it's actually start of game. Yes, and you're all what yep. the yeah. And, and when Pyre up. was like. Oh, dude. And you're just like, no way. And they're like, Transformers, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you played the game, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is the fucking greatest thing that's ever fucking happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Holy I, shit, I, dude. Oh, dude. So great. I mean, and come on. No one would have sold that to us. If you and I had had been walking at E3 together and somebody said, hey, here's a game that isn't by Transistor Devs. Here's a game that's, you know, dodgeball, football, fucking throw yourself in a fire kind of game mm-hmm. all mixed in one and you're like what yeah. i mean it, it even sound what's amazing fun. is i don't know how they pitched this idea because <laughs> i've had three different people you know hey what are you doing playing pyre what is that and i'm like <laughs> i don't know how to describe it because it's like a choose your own adventure it's got some rpg elements it's kind of got like elements from moon hunter where you know where you pick you get hope or you get glory or something like that but, you know, then it's got awesome music and it's a sports game. It's like, 
I, I don't know. I always tell people, I'm like, look, it's so many things at once. I, I just go look up gameplay. It's the best way to understand what this is. I mean, that's what I love about Super Giant, dude. They they spin the wheel so much. Every game they've done is so different. You know, Bastion, well, Transistor, Empire, put them side by side. Aside from art style, I don't think you could tell they're from the same developer. They're so and different. And here's the thing. They they also, and I said this in the review, I think that they out-Blood Bowl the Blood Bowl in, in getting a sport with fantasy mixed together by, by such a great amount. Blood Bowl's always been missing something. Mm-hmm. And gameplay is one of it. But it, it's always <laughs> yeah, been missing yeah. some various elements. Um, and even though I, I like the, the world in, in Blood Bowl, Pyre, within the first like 15 minutes, you're like, okay, I sort of get it. And then the strategies overlap. And you start going, this slow guy, he's not really worthwhile. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. But if I put Combine. him and another person down yeah. in the bottom and then combine their rings, and then I go top, and then suddenly you're, and then the dog can like leap and the chick can fly. And you're like, yeah. this is fucking all. I mean, everyone yeah, plays differently. And then you go moment. into verses and you can play with like all the different characters you faced yeah. off against. They're all star players. They're all star players. That's a great yeah. thing. Like the fucking worm knight. Who's constantly like saluting you? Yeah, <laughs> Sir I, I called him Sir Gawain, but he's like, yeah, Sir Gilliman. Yeah, I love dude. Sir Gilliman. So oh, funny. Such a good game. So such wait, a... I, I got to clarify something. You said, and I won't spoil this for anyone else because I'm curious if we just already highlighted like a difference in choice right off the bat. You said you got rid of someone, and did another person from that same race join your team? Yeah. No fucking way. And then what happened was I got rid of the one I hated mm-hmm. because I, I, I literally rushed the game until I could get rid of her. And I know you like her. I, I'm blown away by that. We have to talk about that one day. But, um, yeah, so what? some stuff happens if you continue playing. I'll just Interesting. See, I, I didn't have that happen in my playthrough because I kept him for so long. There's also a number of endings if i remember reading i'll have to look but if i read right there are a number of endings for that as well yeah well that's the thing or or at least ways it can branch one of the most fascinating things about that game is absolutely the fact that the end credit song changes on what choices you made (laughs) i was i was fucking mind blown i was sitting there like you're kidding me they're actually doing this that is like they, they thought of everything, Maddie. That's yeah. the, that's what we talk about, and I and I know you guys didn't like it as much, but I'm not even going to mention the game because we'll, it will it'll, it'll it'll degenerate into a discussion. <laughs> but there's other games that maybe have hit me in a certain way. It's because I feel like they've thought of things that others hadn't, mm-hmm. and um and you're right, yeah. Pyre feels that way where you're just like it, it, and it's something stupid and extra. There's no need to do that when you sit down and say let's spend ten thousand dollars to change the end credits and hire the singer. And all this stuff, and you'd be like, "What?" Yeah. And and then it happens, and you're like, "That's that extra attention that matters." So good. Holy shit! All right, awesome, great discussion. Let's move on to our last topic. Um, I made sure to save this for last because I um, I feel like you know most persona. Yep, yep. You knew it. So just just go on. Fuck yes! Oh my god, (laughs) I was dead tired and I was pissed off because. I, I was putting my car in the shop. I had to get new tires. It was $600 later. I'm like, fucking mother. And then all of a sudden, I look at my phone. My friend texts me. He's like, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, great. This is going to be more bad news. You know, it's I'm already tired and mad. What happened? And he sends me just a bunch of links. He's, he's like, Persona 3 Dancing Moon Knight, Persona 5 Dancing Star Knight, and Persona Q2. I'm like, no way they're doing this. So, for those who don't know, Persona 4, I think, has 
arguably outside of would we consider New Vegas a spinoff? Kind of yes, because it's not in the one, two, three. No, it was the main game. <laughs> I'm saying though, it was the truthful at three. <laughs> it, technically, technically, despite it being you know the best Fallout game, I, I believe New Vegas is really a spinoff. It's really. not just the best Fallout game; it's the best game ever. <laughs> Help Sorry. me assure myself so I don't fucking continue <laughs> on without with speaking horribly of New Vegas's name. <laughs> but sorry. Aside from, we'll say, well, I'll consider it a spinoff, even though it matters heavily to the Fallout universe. Despite that, I think that Persona 4 has the best spinoff universe of any game franchise out there, because there's so much care and so much variety, and they pick and choose the right developers, where a a rhythm game is excellent, a fighting game is excellent, and a uh, first-person dungeon exploring game, which is what Persona originally was, but returning to its roots with Persona Q, is also excellent. So... Seeing more spinoffs and returning to the cast of three is insane because you know there's more money to be made in four and there's way more money to be even made in five. So to see him go back to three is uh, something that we don't see too often and it's really awesome fan service. So it's really exciting to see that. Um, It's really, really cool to see how positively received it's been except for a couple of people who are like, "Mm, it's a rhythm game. Um, But that's where Persona Q2 steps in and it's going to have the cast of five and... I don't know if they're going to be doing what they did in the first Persona Q, which is mixing, you know, three and four's cast. Maybe they're just adding five in Q2. Not sure. But regardless, it's really fucking exciting, and it's all coming in spring next year. Ooh. Carrick, you're the only one who can have this discussion with me. Otherwise, I'm talking to a wall. Uh, uh, I, it, it, I mean... I'm not a huge fan of Persona like you are. I thought five. I thought five was was really fun. I, there was so much that I liked about that, and four um, was really good. But I don't know much about these about these games at all. I don't even know really how they're set up. I just saw the Discord when you were posting pictures, and people were like, "What the hell is he just posting random pictures for?" Yeah, and and you're like, like no, "I'm no, no. sorry, I don't follow." I'm like, "Guys, <laughs> yeah. come on now." Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean. <laughs> I, I think it's cool that they're going out there and doing other things with that because I do feel that maybe there's some people who maybe look at the RPGs and are like, what the fuck? Who might play that? It's always cool to have some some side kind of games with those characters. Well, yeah, stuff, it but. highlights what Persona does better than any game I can think of, which is it attaches you to a character and yeah. leaves you wanting more. Not in like a sequel bait kind of way, but like, you know, you just you love the person they become, the person they are. And you just want to see more of that squad interacting with each other. And that's what these spinoffs enable is like them just going on another adventure. And that's what's so special about these spinoffs is Persona nails fucking nails friendship. I don't think a single game out there does friendship better than Persona. Just that feeling of like camaraderie and like mm-hmm. you look at that group of friends interacting. You're like, I, you think of your own group of friends and how you talk with them and, and stuff and just oh, I'm so excited to see more Persona. That's all. It's coming so much sooner than I expected. It's only a year. That actually was what surprised me the most out of the entire thing was the time. Yeah, I mean, we have to consider Japan. I guess they've had Persona Five since last fall. I think. Oh, true. So, for us, we've only had Persona Five for four months, and now we're already getting more next spring. But for them, they've had it, and they're ready for more. So, like, the timing's perfect for them. But for us, it's like hell yeah, we're already getting more. One of the few Lame. times that that uh, Lame. What? Sorry. I didn't say anything, bro. Lame. Lame. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Fucking gross. Yeah. 
the anyway I'll, I'll i'll wrap up my persona section there um that's all we have though for this week oh no oh no oh no oh, oh no. no we have more we have, we have more okay two things first you dirty rotten sons of bitches both of you you go off and you continue a conversation without me so i can't get in my part so i'm gonna do that right now you guys had your video about where what um infinite or where bioshock infinite should go next okay you guys did another video you <laughs> yeah, sons of bitches I, 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 I saw it and i was like oh those bastards they, they got to actually think about it and everything so here's mine here's mine here's mine all right i'm gonna write An down the amusement carrick's hot take yeah, yeah, Carrick's hot take. An ancient amusement park where, like, the still occasionally working rides have become the sort of the idea and bulwark for the ruling classes, myths, and legends, and then everyone goes outside and finds that, like, the entire world's just been inhabited by people birthed at Disneyland, and all these workers were humping in closets, and the entire race that you're living in just didn't want to get fired. And so it's just all redneck children living inside of, like, the Matterhorn or one of oh those races God. in Disneyland. But no, seriously. <laughs> In the in Disneyland, um, there's jokes about some of the older rides. There's a place in Disneyland yeah. that you can go, and they're like sitting there. And I was all, dude, that would be so cool if the ancient structures that that they see become like the gods, and then you find something out like that. And I I I think I got some of that from uh, from near Automata, because of the uh, the moment where you jump on the roller coaster, mm -hmm. Maddie. Yes. And you go around there. I love. I absolutely love that. But that would be my joke answer. Uh, and then I gotta say this: I've been going through the comments of of Maddie's videos, and there is one particular person who cracks me up every time. So I have to do like a, a comment or a shout out. And it was Todd Hitler, who's got the picture. <laughs> yeah. Todd, yeah, Todd, Todd Hitler. Todd, Todd, what's his name? What's the fuck's his la real last name? Howard. Now I keep calling him Hitler. Thank you. And he says. This is the greatest thing ever. We were talking about games. We were talking about the releases. And he says, <laughs> he says, I agree. We here at Bioware or we here at Bethesda believe in releasing a game every year. And that game is Skyrim. And I fucking <laughs> was sitting there and I was reading through. And, you know, it's weird. Sometimes you read the podcast and you're like, do people like anything? Because they're all most of the time they're just negative. Like so many people are like fighting over stuff. I'm sitting there reading them going like, God damn, you know, a lot of people aren't even talking about this or that. And then I see him. And I have read that. And he's got the little fake Hitler mustache if you look close to the avatar. And I'm like, who is this guy? Because you're thinking when you see that name, you're thinking it'll be a certain thing. And instead, he has been legitimately a source of humor for me in uh, the comments for a while. But that one was delicious. I mean, the way he wrote it out was like a PR press advance. And it was just like, and I firmly so he, believe. Yeah, he, him, and, him and Kurt Roundstone have been on my channel for yeah, so fucking long now. It's like... I'm just gradually building this legion of amazing commenters, and I love it. It's so funny. Yeah. That was, that's my favorite. Dude, those guys, when you, when you sit there and read some of their stuff, like, and I don't want everybody trying to be funny because that's not really what it's about. But, mm -hmm. And that's why it works so well, because it sounds normal as you read it. And then it just, and then, and, and that game is Skyrim. And I was like, oh, Jesus, that's exactly so true. <laughs> you know, I was like, because even when he was writing it, when I was reading it, I was like, what? Like, what's he talking because they don't release anything other than, and right when I was thinking that, I got to the word Skyrim, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." My, my goal is to is to get Todd Howard in a room, sit him down, and read those comments oh for him. Oh my god, <laughs> just, yeah, that would be delicious. <laughs> Todd Howard reads Todd <laughs> Hitler's comments, but then no, you, you got are... those viewers that are, are dedicated to conversation, like uh, G Bag Ratchet. You know, people like those who are always oh yeah, the... there's 
Yeah, for sure. There's there's a bunch of people who are. I, it was just that particular podcast oh, God, yeah. at that time. For whatever <laughs> reason, I can't even remember. People were like, meh, 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 meh. and I was like, God, what the hell? And then I got to his, and I was like, Holy shit! That, and P, of course, he had like the most up. Like immediately, people, <laughs> you could tell like, us this is gold. This is gold. Yeah, that was so great. So anyway, shout shout out to to Mr. Todd Hitler. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Todd Hitler. That's what... Should that be our hashtag? No, 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 no. Oh my no. God. <laughs> just, I'm just pitching the idea. All right. So then our hashtag will be, I had a good one earlier, like 20 minutes ago and it's already left my fucking head. I said something. I was like, Ooh, that'd be a good one. But I was like, what it's too early. The show about? isn't done yet. Uh, I think it was when we were talking about Pyre, I want to say. Fuck. Who knows? Right. Who knows? We're talking about horror games too. Mm, maybe we'll just do a hashtag Carrick's hot take. <laughs> yeah. Carrick's yeah. hot take. Yeah, Carrick's hot Carrick take. Was left out. Carrick, Carrick was left out again, fuckers. Again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was the first time. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, hold on now. Damn. I mean, we can always good. do that again. That video's no, doing well. No, that video's oh, doing is well. It, is and it, actually, is it doing well? Yeah. It is, and the only reason, just so you know, the only reason I, I even saw it was because... I had not had um, Lone belled in the YouTube subscription. And so I belled him so everything he uploaded I'd ah. see. And that was the very first video. And I was like, oh, he cut up our conversation. I see. Like, he cut up our conversation. Why the fuck <laughs> the podcast, No, that doesn't yeah, sound like, who the fuck? And then, and then you guys were like, yeah, we talked about this, but we're going to talk about it more. And I was like, you dirty sons of bitches. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. That's a great conversation. It, it's a great, um, like... That's one of the ones I think you can have that conversation and have it be interesting. Is the Bioshock? Yeah. So it's like very, one of the very few you can do that for. You can you can tell though. Borderlands is definitely that next big, yeah, uh, it is. like YouTube it is. game. Like, like the fact that a Borderlands three, everything we know so far that I uploaded was my first like real Borderlands three video. That like I was like, all right, I'm I'm kind of like taking the dive. Hit mm-hmm. 130k already. Like I think that yeah. And like loans real big success with it. Like I think it just speaks volumes to Yeah, where, for sure. Where it's trending and how much people are starting to want I'm, it. I'm getting and to it, So my my everything we know and you know, bearing in mind that I'm I'm a small channel, also got over a hundred thousand. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's doing stupidly well. Yeah. We're just gonna fucking run it into ground loan. We're not real yeah! fans. We're just we're just capitalizing on, on Borderlands three. I loved it when when you started doing Borderlands three videos and people were like, "You copy alone, you 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 copy alone. You've never done Borderlands before." I'm like, "This motherfucker was uploading Borderlands videos four years ago. Where were you then?" Yeah, I was like, do "Come a, on, do stick a with me." Yeah, just literally type yeah. in "Mr. Maddie plays Borderlands" and you'll have your answer. Yeah, Not that exactly. I was a hardcore uploader, but like, yeah, I was. I was like, yeah, we're, we're taking the dive here. Yeah, I'm excited though because like when I when you play it through a second time third time fourth time through when you start listening to some of like the lore and stuff for the universe it's really interesting it's different no it is definitely so i'm i'm really looking forward to it. i hope it's a smash success they need it after after that horn yeah they're counting on it too you know they are i think it yeah. will be you can already tell the interest is there you know, it's yeah. just the right time it's going to be okay. coming after destiny which you know you made a video about the comparisons i was thinking about making a video on it because anytime i talk about destiny and then bring up borderlands we were like this is the same thing. I'm like, dude, this is like the same like, people who tried telling me that Overwatch and Battleborn were the same thing. No, they're fucking not. 
and so the second, different. And the second you play them, you know they're different. You yep. know, I think you can make more of a case for Destiny in Borderlands, but still, like when you really take a look at it, like every enemy in Borderlands drops a gun or something, and then in Destiny, it's like at the end of a mission you get a gun. It's like yeah, it's so different. Uh, they're completely different game. I, I don't get the comparison. Like just because they're shooters and shooting loot and whatever, like they're the exact it's same like, thing. So is Fallout Four. It's just, you know, exactly. you could say Fallout Four is in a direct competitor to fucking Destiny in that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm on, I'm on your side with that. I'm glad I just got that lone army. The hashtag <laughs> lone army. <laughs> Shit game went by. <laughs> oh, Kurt. Kurt, we're on stone. All right, that will uh, that will do it. Unless Carrick's got more uh, more hold Does up, I got one more thing. Takes. Negative. Negative. <laughs> We're good. We're good. All right, good shit. So then that will wrap up episode 119 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning into this lovely episode. Thank you, Lone and Carrick, for such an exciting, intriguing discussion as per usual. Thank you. And uh, any closing words as Carrick crack o- cracks open a cold one. Did, did nope. you actually just crack open a beer? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm. I don't drink alcohol at all. It was a, a oh, Mountain Dew fuck, of I all things. Assumed. Old man piss. <laughs> <laughs> a, a big can of frozen old man piss. Most old people don't like Mountain piss. Mountain Dew at all, but it's got the caffeine I need. I, right I like Ooh, Mountain I Dew. Love it. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, I, I love try Mountain to stay Dew. away from soda. I, I've been. Oh dear. Actually, I broke my my streak a couple weeks ago, but I was like three months clean of soda. So. Oh, so I gotta say awesome, this. Man. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to quickly ask you, Maddie, did you have dumplings? No! Fuck! Idiot! No! My, my day was so off for some reason, now I know why. <laughs> Sorry, Carrick, what were you saying? Uh-huh. I have I've no clue what that is. I was just laughing because I know a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm cutting this, and I'm cutting out, and I'm just like, motherfuckers, I'm drinking all of yours then. So for every person I know who says they're cutting something out, I'm taking it in. So if Maddie says I'm cutting Mountain Dew, I'm like, I'll have three of yours then. I'm partially (laughs) blaming. I say this joking. I partially blame my brother because he's so he's so health conscious. And it made me become health conscious for like every fucking day in high school. Every day I'd sit down and have a soda every day. It was I I am so lucky I did not fucking gain weight. And like I got into shape and like started exercising and stuff. I'm so lucky because, like, I, I it could have been so fucking bad. I ate, get, like, like, shit. Like, or something. Yeah, like, something. I ate, like, oh. shit, dude, fast food all the time. I, like, I don't know how I did it. I am so lucky. <laughs> I'll just say that much. I am so, so lucky. Yeah. Anyways. Oh. Yeah. All right. Any closing words? Those are the closing words. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to us ramble here at the end, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Peace, Peace out.